This week on TWIP Weddings, we're going to talk about the client experience from the moment a potential client inquires about your services through to the final delivery of their images and beyond. What are the key ingredients that create an exceptional client experience? And welcome back to another episode of TWIP Weddings and very exciting. We've got the band back together. Look at this. We have got both Robert Evans and Brian Capricci together in the same room at the same time. I wonder if I wonder if our listeners were starting to wonder if we were actually one and the same person because we're never seen together, or at least we haven't been seen together for a while. Or you're like president and vice president and you weren't allowed to be in the same podcast together. Right. They won't <laughs> let me into Canada. <laughs> there we got that wall good to have everyone together good to have everybody back so this week uh, we're going to be talking about the client experience uh, we're going to kind of go from the initial contact through image delivery and beyond we'll share our advice for wedding photographers who want to create an exceptional customer experience for their clients but before we get into the show we want to remind you how you can participate there are several ways you can interact with us uh, first you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings and um, there you'll find the show notes for each episode which contain links to everything we mentioned on the show and you can also leave your comments and feedback for us in the comment section uh, if you have a question or you'd like to make a suggestion for a topic for a future episode uh, you can email us at twipwed at thisweekinphoto or you can also click on the contact us button on the website to send us a message that way. And if you want to follow along, we're, uh, we're on Instagram. You can uh, find us at TwipWed uh, or also join our Facebook group, which is at facebook.com slash group slash TwipWed. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. And like I say at the, at the top, we're going to talk about the client experience, uh, which I think is you know very important. We've talked a little bit about in the past about kind of how we go through you know our bookings and we meet with clients and you know album delivery. We've talked about those things, but I don't think we've ever really dove into the overall sort of client experience. So we wanted to spend some time today talking about what that looks like with our studios and uh, you know even just in general what uh, our experiences are with customer service or client service. So I wanted to, I know that uh, Brian, you threw this topic out as a suggestion. Initially, you had called, you wanted to call the, the episode the customer experience, but I decided to change it to the client experience. because That I works was, with me. Yeah, well, I was listening to somebody the other day and they had said that kind of, there was, and it really struck a tone with me is that customers buy something from you. Yeah. Whereas a client is somebody that you're kind of going to take care of and trust. And I think, would you guys all agree that kind of that's the business that we're in is more, it's not that you know, the transaction of just a customer buying some photographs from us, we're really kind of taking care of them, be it if we're doing their wedding or other types of photography that we're doing for them. Would you guys agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I would say that like a customer would be like a one-time purchaser, whereas a client is someone that you have a longer relationship with. I, I think, and I've, I haven't really thought about this much, but just in hearing you say that, I actually love it. I think people come in as customers and it's our job to turn them into clients, to make mm -hmm. them someone that we have more relationship with. Yeah. That's the thought. Robert, what do you think? Has that been kind of what you try to do at your studio is really build customers into clients that you will continue to do, you know, family photo, you know, family photos for them or. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the part of, you know, photographing weddings. I think that I like is that, you know, yes, I'm not going to get invited over dinner to every one of my customers houses after I do the wedding, but I have many of them over the years that, you know, I've shot their births and their babies, and <clears throat> even now that I'm getting old, their kids' bar mitzvahs, and, <laughs> you know. And, the uh, circle of life. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, boy, the first time I did that, I was like, oh, man. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's the great part of it. And I really like the, you know, the, just being able to maintain those friendships, whether they're few and far between, or, you know, you haven't talked to somebody in years, but, you know, they call you like, hey, Robert, you know, we have this coming up and thought of you or you know I really like that aspect of it just being able to pick up the phone that's one of the things people always ask me about celebrity stuff and that's kind of one of the things that I uh, this is my least favorite about it is you know after you photograph the wedding you kind of get cut off and rightly so I mean they're busy and you know but uh, I like just to be able to pick up the phone and call my client if that's what I want to do so Tom and Katie didn't they didn't invite you over for barbecues and stuff after the yeah I know I didn't no. get the, I didn't get the barbecue invite <laughs> so that's a, it's an interesting um you know experience i think what what do you guys think is the difference between somebody that you build that relationship with and somebody that maybe you don't like like you say you don't have to be best friends with every single client that you, that you shoot their wedding but what do you think is the key kind of component when you build that kind of special relationship with with a with a client that you know has you you know have them think of you first when it comes to photographing the rest of their life kind of moments well probably having a great experience you know, on their wedding and the whole process, of course. But I think you probably naturally, and you guys can probably attest to this, you know, there's certain clients that you just gravitate to more and becomes friends, become friends with, uh, you know, from doing their wedding than others. And probably a little bit of that is you just connect as individuals in that, you know, even if you didn't photograph their wedding and somehow you met them at a party, you probably would become friends with them. Yeah. Do you find with destination weddings that you build that a little stronger just because you're possibly there with them over a longer period of time? I find with the destination wedding that I build the relationship with the guests, which is one reason that I like that. And usually it's three, four days of events. So by the time you get to the wedding day, the guests are very comfortable and familiar with their with you. And I'm one of those photographers that really tries to interact with people and sort of be a part of the event and not just be the outside person taking pictures and being stiff and boring. Um, so by the time, you know, you get to the wedding, there definitely, I see that end of it. It depends on how I get hired for destination, um, whether you stay in contact with people or you can do stuff. Because a lot of the times, you know, you're not in the same state. Yeah. Brian, how about you? What do you find? What, what clients do you kind of connect with the most and how, how does that relationship kind of evolve? Um, I have a bit of a, like a, uh, a different opinion on the whole like connection friend sort of thing versus client. Like I, I sort of, I mean, obviously having a great connection and relationship is super important with your clients for obvious reasons. You want to enjoy what you do, you know, being able to connect with people and enjoy spending time with them is great. But I actually don't think that we need to be like BFFs with, you know, all of our clients type of thing. I mean, certainly there might be those, like Robert said, that you connect with that you would have connected with whether they had hired you or not type of thing. Like if you saw them at a party, they would just be, it's, you know, your people type of thing. But I don't think um, that we have to just assume that that's always got to be the case. I think a lot of educators in our industry right now, you know, sort of put on this. Or, or, or they talk about this whole idea where, like, you know, we have barbecues with all of our clients and, like, all of our clients always get together with us and we have these big parties with them and all these things. And I, I just think that it's easy as, you know, a listener to the podcast, or maybe someone that isn't in the place where they're building these big brands or doing these things, you know, exceptionally well to feel discouraged by saying, like, well, I don't have that kind of relationship with my clients. So what am I doing wrong? And I don't think it's that they're doing anything wrong. I just think that their expectations are in the wrong place. I don't think that we have to be best friends with everybody. I think that we can be professionals and deliver a great customer experience, um, regardless of sort of, you know, where that customer falls on the friend scale. 
Right. And that can sometimes make the relationship even a little bit more complicated, right? When it comes right. to business things, if, yeah. you know, if something happens, yeah. if they become too close as friends, then, you know, where do you kind of draw that line? Sometimes it becomes a little harder to manage the business side of the relationship. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about customer, customer service or client service. What, uh, what does that look like to you guys? Just, you know, set aside your own photography business and with your clients, what, you know, as a, you as a consumer going out and looking for things, what do you look for? What do you think uh, makes up a great um, customer experience or a great client experience? Robert, I'll start with you. I think probably what impresses me as a customer and whatever, you know, business I'm in, I think it's just the little things. It doesn't have to be big and dramatic, and but it's sometimes it's just the little things that you know you're like, oh, that's kind of cool that they did that. Um, whether it's like, well, one of the things that I try to do in my business that I like that's a little thing, and then I've kind of learned that is just a handwritten note. You know, I have stationary. Those of you watching, I'll hold it up on my desk. They're little cards. They're very simple. Has my logo on it. Um, it's thick, and uh, I can just write, you know, even if it's three sentences, you know, hey, Lisa, thanks for the blah, blah, blah. It was great seeing you. You know, we don't get handwritten stuff in the mail hardly ever anymore, let alone a letter. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, I have to take a lot of extra time to write this because I have the most horrible handwriting I should have been. <laughs> I usually use a pencil. Um and what kind of pencil do you use, Robert? <laughs> so many pencils that Mr. Caparici has written. I use, you know, the old normal, ah. you know, number two. Good old number two. <laughs> Makes me feel like I'm back in school taking a test, filling in a bubble. Uh, but, you know, that, that's like just one example. Let me think like what other things. Just, you know, even when you're in a restaurant, I think sometimes when you're in a restaurant, even if it's not a nice restaurant, and you can tell the manager comes over and says, how was your meal? You know, just sort of like opening up the opportunity, you know, like little things like that. So, I mean, without rambling on too long, I, I think you know, for me, it's kind of the little things sometimes that I take notice of, notice what other businesses do, and then sometimes say, well, how could I incorporate that into my business to sort of be a better customer service or offer something that will, you know, definitely stand out? Yeah. Brian, how about you? What does great client or customer service look like for you? So uh, I'm actually, I'm really glad that you asked it that way because um, when I, when I've spoken on this, I, I'm, I actually have a PowerPoint up just behind our thing here because I've given a three hour lecture on the topic of delivering customer experience. And I think one of the things that a lot of the times photographers and maybe even entrepreneurs in general, um, sometimes mistake is that customer uh, experience is not the same thing as customer service. Um, and I like to kind of make that distinction because I think customer service is just, you're basically meeting expectations, right? It's like the print arrives on time, right? Or you take good photos or you get back to them within a reasonable amount of time. Like that's customer service. That's just like servicing the needs and the expectations that they have for you as a business owner. And most people do just that. But customer service does not guarantee customers for life. It does not guarantee customer loyalty. Um, and, and there's there's a funny quote that I love to use by an author um, by the name of Jeffrey Gittimer. Have you guys read any of Jeffrey's books by by chance or no? No, I definitely recommend it. He's a great great author, and he's got like really quickly readable books, so you can like go through it in like an afternoon type of thing. But the one that sticks out for me is he says, "Would you rather have customer satisfaction or customer loyalty?" 
And when he asks it that way, sometimes it's like, mm, not really sure. But then ask it a different way and say, would you rather your spouse be satisfied or loyal? <laughs> right. And when he puts it that way, it's like, well, yeah, I definitely want loyalty. Right. And I think that we all want customer loyalty, but I don't think that customer service in and of itself will guarantee us customer loyalty. So I see customer experience as being those things like Robert said, that you go above and beyond those things that you do that exceed the expectations. And those are the kinds of things that guarantee customer loyalty. Hmm. Very good. So can either of you guys think of a, a recent or it doesn't necessarily be recent, but something, you know, recently that's, that's happened to you from a, a customer experience uh, that you would say kind of was the, the above and beyond that's kind of got your, you know, your loyalty to a particular brand or a particular business. Can you think of, or can you name a brand or a business? That- I can give you one that didn't happen to me. I guess happened to us, my wife. Um, in February, we were going to uh, Cancun. Uh, I had a wedding, but a little vacation down there as well. And she had called, uh, I believe it was, was it our bank? No, yeah, her credit card. And said, hey, I'm going to Mexico. You know, sometimes they'll shut your credit cards off if they see an, a, a weird charge. And, uh, you know, they said, great, thanks for letting us know. And I believe it was a, a Chase card. and um, before we left or shortly after that, she got like a $25 gift certificate in the mail and I forget for where, for where and it, it was just like, thank you for being a loyal customer. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> what was that for? And I could only assume that, um, you know, maybe, you know, because fraud is so prevalent within, you know, credit cards, maybe it was just saying, hey, you know, thanks for letting us know. This is going to save us a ton of money so we can afford to send you $25, you know, gift card. Nice. Brian, how about you? You got an example of, of a... Yeah. Um, so I, um, it's probably three years ago, I go to the same auto mechanic for everything that I do. And I went there and I think that they were fixing something with like a ball bearing and a wheel or something like that. There was some rattling that was happening. So I went there, they, you know, got it all fixed. Everything was good. I went and picked up the car. And as I was driving the car, you know, back, I think I was actually going to a photo shoot. Um, I'm, I'm driving over a set of train tracks and so it's a little bit bumpy. And as I get on the other side of the train tracks, all of a sudden I feel like the entire weight of my car completely shift over. And I like kind of like jolted backwards. I'm like, whoa, that does not feel right all of a sudden, right? So I pull over the side of the road and I get out and I look and the one wheel had actually like half fallen off and it was now on an angle. So the wheel like wasn't properly secured back to my car. So here I am driving and it's like, good thing I was on like a back road, like not cars coming in my direction, like could have been really bad, right? So the wheel fell off my car. Holy cow. So uh, immediately, obviously, I called the um, the auto mechanic and I just say, uh, hey, you know, my, my wheel fell off. Is that is that a problem? <laughs> is that supposed to happen? <laughs> is, that, is this normal? <laughs> right? And they, uh, th- this is the sort of point of differentiation where you look at, you know, customer service is them, you know, saying, oh, you know, okay, obviously we apologize. Let's get this fixed. Let's, let's do this. Can you, you know, have a tow truck, bring it in, blah, blah, blah. Like that would be customer service. They'd be like fixing the problem that they obviously created because maybe obviously they didn't put the tire back on properly or something. So that's customer service. But what they did from a customer experience standpoint is the owner actually drove over to where I was, picked me up, drove me to my chute, waited while I was there, drove me back. They arranged having the tow truck come and everything. They brought the tow truck, you know, or my car with the tow truck back to their shop, had it fixed. When I got back there, 
uh, it was to my surprise that they had actually fixed the rear wiper that I was sort of debating getting done because it was like a thousand bucks and I didn't really feel like spending it at that time. They fixed it for me without charging me anything. They washed my car and then they left a little package for me on the front seat saying that they're sorry and it was like a little thing of popcorn or something. Huh. And it was all ready by the time my shoot was done and the owner picked me up, brought me back over there and obviously they apologized and everything. And everything they, they do from that point forward, those are the things that make the customer experience uh, super important. And it took what could have been a really bad situation. Like I could have gotten upset and been like, oh my gosh, that could have been fatal. Like that was a horrible thing. Like you guys didn't do what you did. But I understand people make mistakes, right? I mean, whenever you have people involved, there's going to be a mistake at some point because we're human. And, you know, them exceeding my expectations in that way is what made the customer experience so great that now I still go back to that same shop to this day. Whereas if they had just dealt with it, you know, to my expectations, I may have been a little bit peeved off and said like, this is ridiculous. Like I'm kind of really pissed off now. I might look around for somebody else. So that's where I sort of differentiate the customer service and the customer experience. And that example made a loyal customer to me. Right. So, so it's that, you know, opportunity to gain a customer for life, right? As yeah, opposed exactly. to just, they could have, like you say, they could have fixed the problem, but that yeah. may not have left you, you know, satisfied. Well, and and right? the thing is, is like them fixing the problem. Like I expected them to, like you guys screwed up. I'm obviously expecting that you fix the problem, but the fact that they went above and beyond, those are the things that really, you know, stand out to me to make it, to make it a differentiator. And, and I think the lesson that, that I like to encourage photographers to consider in, in all these conversations is that the customer experience doesn't happen on accident. You know, it does not happen on accident. If you just leave it to like, let's see how each day goes. And maybe today I'll send a handwritten note. Maybe today I won't. Maybe today I'll do this for a client. Maybe tomorrow I won't. Like if you just let it happen, it's going to be a completely accidental customer experience. And sometimes you'll do great. Sometimes you won't. And you won't have any kind of consistency. I'm a big believer, uh, you guys know, uh, in, in planning and, and doing things with intent, right? Doing things deliberately. And so I like to teach and help photographers, you know, look at what are the things that you can do in your business? Like let's actually design the customer life cycle and say, this is when they inquire. This is when I'm sort of done the transaction with them. There's a lot of things that can happen in between there. What are some of the things that we can design in there? What are some sort of touch points? What are some customer experience uh, things that we can do? What are some ways that we can exceed expectations at all those different uh, touch points that will make a great customer experience on purpose. And then how can we find a way to implement that every single time consistently? I think that's what separates a, a photography business that's you know doing this long-term and that can successfully have a, a plethora of loyal customers versus someone that kind of has a few people that are really happy and a few people that aren't. And they're kind of all over the place with the ups and downs. Yeah. So do you think the uh, mechanic left the tire off loose a little bit just to create that customer, ex great customer experience? <laughs> what that we're suggesting, like, <laughs> take some really photos for part yeah. of the wedding day. And that way you can intentionally have a way to exceed expectations. Great. No, there goes our clean bag. There right, goes yeah. our clean bag. Oh no. I just put us into the explicit writing. Now we're in the explicit writing. Oh, maybe, no. maybe, we, maybe we'll edit that out. Okay. Did, <laughs> Did I really give you a card to Brian that said, that's not how we roll. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like that. I'm going like to introduce you guys. <laughs> I've got a small example of, of just a, and it's a really little, it's a little thing. Um, we were releasing just shop. We just went out shopping one day for some clothes. I don't know. I can't remember exactly where all we went. We went shopping for some, for some clothes and we went to H and M 
you guys are familiar with the H&M mm-hmm. store, yeah. right? It's not very expensive, right? It's a pretty, it's a kind of cheap clothing store. Um, I think Madonna's involved with it or somebody, I don't know. But, um, you know, so we went in there and I bought a couple of just dress shirts. They had some nice dress shirts that were on, you know, fairly inexpensive. So I thought I'd pick up a couple of dress shirts for this season. And they basically, they just kind of like flipped them together and just kind of jammed them in the bag and handed it over to me. And then we went to another store that wasn't a lot more expensive than H&M. And it was a, a store that my wife likes to shop at called Loft. And she bought something in there and they like took the time to like really nicely fold it and put it in some nice tissue paper with a little sticker and slide it in the bag nicely. The girl came around the counter to hand the bag to us. Um, And so even just the presentation of the product was uh, something that I, you know, that I noticed and thought that's something that can, you know, we can incorporate into our business, right? It's just, it's a little thing Mm -hmm. and it doesn't cost a lot to spend the extra time to just properly wrap something in just the way you deliver it and present it to the client. So that was sort of a recent experience. One, one recent experience that kind of, I I thought of that I thought, you know, it just showed, it wouldn't have taken that, that clerk at H&M any longer. It wouldn't, you know, to nicely fold the shirts and put them in the bag. There wasn't a giant lineup behind me. There wasn't, you know, anything like that, but she just kind of like took the three shirts, just sort of like flapped them inside each other and just sort of dropped them in the bag. And it was, there was no kind of care or attention. It was sort of like, here you go next. Right. So that was something that, that stood out to me. And then another a, a recent example, um, didn't happen to me, but it's uh, a pizza shop just opened up in our city. Not that long ago, a couple months ago, it's a place called love pizza. Really, really good pizza. Um, and a friend of mine, um, my friend Blake, she is in the middle of doing a photography project to raise awareness around mental health issues. And she goes to this pizza place a lot, like three times, oh, four times a week, maybe. Like she's a frequent uh, frequent flyer of this uh, pizza shop. And so they know her right really well and they're, they're pretty active on social media and they actually caught wind of her project. And so for this entire month, they are donating a dollar from every sale of pizza at their, at their establishment to her project that she's doing. <laughs> you can guarantee she's going to be eating pizza there for a very, very long time because they went that extra, you know, the expectation would have been make me a pizza, make sure it's cooked well and tastes good. Right. They went above and beyond that. Right. So, she, you know, I think they've got a customer for life. So those are a couple of recent examples that I've run across that um, really kind of stood out. For me, there, there's something that um, it's, it's a quote that's sort of really well known in in the selling world. And I think <clears throat> I think it, it will like it helps illustrate what we're talking about here. And it's the idea that um, people don't buy products. They buy better versions of themselves. Right. In, in, in the sense that I think that photography, actually, I, I think we're going through a huge shift right now in the sense that um the industry has, I wouldn't say it's been commoditized, but certainly the perception of photography to the average consumer, because everybody has a camera on their phone. Everybody can filter their photos on Instagram. The, the ability to buy a DSLR and do it has become obviously more and more easy. And then with that, more and more photographers have come into the market. I think that we're getting away from the idea that we're selling pictures or photographs. But instead, I think that uh, our clients will increasingly buy experiences that we can provide. And the photographs or the pictures become just a byproduct of that. And I think that's where the customer experience really comes into play. Like if we don't make our business about doing more than the basic expectation, which is that we take pictures and give the pictures to the client, then I think we're going to find ourselves in a place in a few years where we're not having enough business to stay afloat. Yeah. Robert, how do you feel on that? Have you seen, you've probably seen that right over your career, kind of this commoditization that that Brian speaks of? Well, yeah, I mean, you definitely see that. I mean, photography has definitely become 
devalued, you know, based on digital. But but like Brian, I think the biggest point is because people have cameras on their phones and they don't, you know, like well, I can take this picture and why do I? Why should I have to pay the photographer this much money? Mm-hmm. I can hire somebody to do that. And what you know, look at the backside of that. You know, all the stories that you hear of somebody that's upset when their wedding pictures turn out terrible. It's because they had a bad experience, usually. And part of that, yes, is, you know, typically bad photographs. <laughs> but the experience of someone not knowing how to deal with a situation, not knowing what to take in a situation, not knowing how to deal with sensitive issues, not, you know, that's the experience part. Um, so that's where, you know, it does still obviously pay. And it's interesting. I mean, this is, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, but, you know, you see people... What's the one thing, you know, we read 100 articles on that, but that's the one thing that you have left when the wedding day is all over, of course, are your photographs. And that's what people value the most, but yet it's the one thing that people want to spend the least on at the wedding. You know, they'll spend $40,000 on flowers and cry about a $4,000 photographer when, you know, you know, if photography is your priority and your memories are your priority, then, you know, that should be put to the top of the priority list and thought about. Um, but because of this whole generalization of like, oh, photography, it's digital. Why should I pay more than that? You know, uh, of course I deal with that because I'm in a higher end uh, type of market or clientele, but I'm also marketing to those higher end type of people. I think I get the people who appreciate that and want better quality because generally that's kind of what I hear consistently is, you know, even if people found me on the web, they're like, your pictures were just so completely different than what else is out there. But anyway, ultimately, that's what, you know, I think is a result of that. And the, the other thing I wanted to kind of go back to a little bit is when Brian was talking about his experience with the, with the tire, um, I think if we just break that down simplistically in what we do as photographers, we can obviously, you know, gain a valuable lesson there. But we're, there's going to be one customer at least, you know, not every single one of our clients are going to be extremely happy. We're going to do something wrong. We're human beings. We're photographers. Um, But it's sort of asking yourself in your own business, you know, with that story that Brian gave, what can I do to, you know, right the wrong, but also, you know, go above and beyond? Because just like Brian, you know, he could have been, you know, and again, it's a personality type too, I think. Um, But, you know, the client, you know, in that situation, Brian had a very like Lyle, you know, he could have been hurt mm-hmm. and I'm sure I know the, the a mechanic recognized that and like, Oh boy, we better kiss some butt. But I think if you kind of have that attitude, even if you do something minor, like, Oh, you, you know, you missed the shot of the flower girl or whatever it is that the client's happy, unhappy with afterwards, just ask yourself like, okay, how can I write it? But how can I can go above and beyond and to make them happy, almost like play it as like a game. Like, what can I do? What's the challenge that, you know, I can win this person back over and, uh, you know, make it. And you can, you know, and even think about going above, like doing something monetarily. It's really easy for us to say, oh, we'll give you a free family sitting or we'll do this or we'll do that. Yes, you might want to do that. But then what could you do? You know, even as like I mentioned, maybe it's as simple as actually sitting down, writing a card to that person and saying, I realize you must be upset about this, and I apologize, and, you know, I am just human, but I want to make it up to you, or whatever your wording is. But, I mean, just break that down in your own business and think about, you know, how we can challenge ourselves to make each one of those 
unhappy situations turn into a positive. Yeah, those are those, you know, complaints are opportunities for, you know, to gain that loyal, that loyal customer. And I know I'm, I've been guilty of this in the past. I can certainly think of examples where sure we you know, I, I get def- where I get, you know, it gets personal. Because it, it is photography. What we do is fairly personal, right? And so, when something doesn't go right, or maybe the expectations were not clearly defined, or maybe they were, but they didn't, you know, for whatever reason, we can debate the semantics of it. But it can get very personal, right? And I know I've had situations where I can get a bit defensive about it. Um, that's just a bit of my personality. I, I've had to like learn to like rail that in a little bit and look at okay, if there's a if there's a problem or a complaint, what is what's the reason for it, and how can we you know how can we go about solving it? And yeah, and sometimes the customer you know sometimes the customer isn't always right, but they're still the customer at the end of the day. They're still the client at the end of the day. Um, I was just at CPC and Heather Jowett spoke and her topic of her talk er, was I effed up now what? And it was basically all about sort of the client experience, the customer service. And she, she mentioned something that she said, you know, there's customer service. She goes, and then there's pest control. She said, sometimes there are some that just, you know, you just have to kind of clean it up and move on and they're not going to be your best friend. You're probably not going to gain them as a loyal client. Um, but, you know, look at every, every one of those opportunities as an opportunity to, you know, improve your business, to improve your customer service. Um, so that's something that I'm trying to take to heart and really kind of implement more in our business is try to not take it personally and try to, you know, look at it as an opportunity to improve. So I want to ask both of you guys, what's, uh, what is thing, what do things look like at your guys' studios in terms of the client experience? Brian mentioned some, you know, some planning and doing things with intent. What are some aspects of your, uh, your studio, uh, Brian, that are done with intent specifically around the client or the customer experience? Oh gosh, like everything. Um, like, like, you know, what, what we did many years ago and it's always a refinement, but we literally said, okay, this is when the customer, this is when we get the inquiry. So what can I now do to always show value, to always um, communicate, you know, what we do and why we do it and how can I constantly exceed expectations in an industry that is bombarded and flooded and is, you know, perceived going down in value. So everything from the first inquiry, uh, the way that we respond to the email, how we respond, when we respond to the email, you know, we're constantly setting expectations in that. When they come into the studio <clears throat> for the meet and greet, I don't do Skype meet and greets. I don't do, you know, bookings without meeting with a client. Like I, I will not do it and I'll wait until I can meet with them. Obviously certain, uh, you know, areas or whatever, you may not be able to do it if you're a destination wedding photographer and you're in California booking somebody from, you know, Vancouver, maybe that isn't right. going to happen. But, um, for the most part, for me, for my business, uh, where all my clients are local, I always meet with them. And when I come in, their customer experience is highly, highly refined. Like everything from uh, the way the studio is laid out to the furniture they're sitting on, to the doorknobs that they're turning when they come into the studio, to the music that's on, to the coffee they're having, to the treats that I have out for them, to the albums that I put in their hands, to the way that I have a conversation with them. I'm always thinking, how can this be the most refined and the most elegant customer experience that I can possibly give to them? So I do that, uh, the, the package that I give them, you know, like the price list or whatever, it's not just like, here's, you know, an eight and a half by 11 that I printed out on my printer. It's this beautiful package that I've created and worked with the local branding specialist to make these custom things for me with a custom book. And I, I probably have them here if I wanted to show them to you guys, but it's, uh, it's a book that I have created and had printed through Amazon as if I was publishing a book. 
and it's a book of my portfolio and I use that as a way to talk to them about how I believe in printed photography as opposed to digital photography and this is my portfolio for you to enjoy and share if you don't want to have to go on a computer to enjoy my photography. So everything that I do in that is highly refined and like you know I've got clients that are saying we can keep this? Oh, really? Like, it's this beautiful package. And they're saying, we can keep that? Oh, my God. Okay. Like, you know, the last guy we saw just gave us a piece of paper or said he'd email us a PDF. And it's like, I know. That's probably your expectation. How can I exceed that? Right. Um, so from that point forward, again, like the booking and everything that goes on with that, handwritten cards, like crazy. We do those like crazy. So we have like Robert, little, you know, printed branded cards that we mail out things with. Um, what I actually have done and I've refilled this a number of times is I buy Starbucks gift cards in bulk. I actually buy them on their website, little $5 gift cards or $10, I forget which one. But, you know, I buy 100 of them at a time. And whenever I'm writing a handwritten card or whenever it's necessary, whenever I, I, I think that it's appropriate, I'll just kind of slip that in and say, hey, you know, just wanted to say thanks so much, have a coffee on me type of thing. So I'm doing little things like that that are really just exceeding the expectation. Um, the month before the wedding, um, I'll order flowers for the bride and have them delivered at her place of business and say, hey, just really looking forward to it. Just wanted to you know, have a little bit of positivity. You're probably stressed out and just wanted to kind of brighten your day a little bit. So here's, here's a thing of flowers for you. Um, there's all different kinds of things like that. But again, that's the process of me um, looking at the entire experience, what happens from start to finish, and where can I show up in a great way. Nice. Robert, how about you? What do things look like at your studio? Do you... Similar, obviously well, you've got I the do. you mentioned the handwritten notes. I do, and I have done a lot of the same things Brian does. Uh, I mean, I can definitely relate to a lot of that. Um, I won't reiterate any of that. And I went from being in a studio for years and years and years to working out of my home. But I do have a studio, a small space now where I meet clients, and you know, it's it's uh, for my local stuff. But it's you know, it's smaller than what I had, and but I make sure that it's neat and clean, and you know, all those things and. Yes, my price list is printed and nice and matches those cards that I showed you. I mean, as well as my business cards, it's all sort of cohesive in the branding. Um, but beyond all the other things that Brian mentioned, um, I think one of the other things, too, is sort of on the, the back side of customer service. Like, I think one of the things that I hear in today's photography world is, you know, photographers like, yeah, I'll get your proofs back to you in four to six weeks. <laughs> For me, that's like, What? You know, again, I've said this before, but I started off shooting film. We used to turn proofs in two weeks, and that's because you put your film in a bag on Monday. It came back on Friday. Usually the client wasn't back for their honeymoon, and that's why it was two weeks. But I really make an effort um, to make sure that I deliver proofs in, in two to three weeks so the client, you know, has that experience, uh, maybe shoot them you know, four or five of my favorite pics of the day and get them small files so that they can use them for social media. I mean, so this is like post stuff that you can do. Um, I just try to do what I say I'm going to do. If I say I'll have your, your book or your album or whatever it is by this time, I, I really try to make sure that that actually happens. Um, you know, so I am, yes, just meeting expectations. But, you know, I do things, you know, I've done all the things that Brian said. I don't do them consistently, and I think sometimes... That's important, you know, to keep those thoughts. Like when Brian said flowers, I'm like, oh, I remember when I did that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a cool. Or to the like to a special client, or uh, you know, the gift card. I think is is a great idea to the right person. Yeah. Because you know, even if it's five dollars, like Brian said, you know, they're gonna get 
one, maybe two cups of coffee out of it, but they're going to think of you. And again, it goes back to what I said. It's just that tiny little thing Mm -hmm. that they're going to take note of. Um, Because I think in today's world, we don't take time to do little things anymore. I think some of the the habits that Brian has and the things that I've done in the past were something of the past. I mean, Brian's currently doing, but it was done a little bit more prevalently back in the time before we had computers and email and, you know, all of those things. Um, And I think people forget about that stuff. And so when you bring the past back Mm -hmm. and you write a handwritten note or, or something like that, I think that really stands out to people. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that there's something that that Robert you said that I maybe just want to comment on because I think that I think that um, you know photographers can learn a lot from this and it's the idea you said about delivery times right for for images yeah. um, something that I've always been in the practice of is you know like first of all I think that we have to have an understanding of what we can actually physically do you know if if you can turn around a wedding in two weeks great okay that's what you can do obviously see what you can do to make that faster. But if that's just what works for you and for your workflow and your, and your lifestyle, great. But I've always been in the practice of saying, okay, this is what I know I can do. I'm actually going to add some time on that. And that's what I tell the client, you know, so if I know that their prints will come in in two weeks, I'll tell them your prints will be in, in four weeks. Or if I know their album will come in from my lab in five weeks, I'll say, yeah, it usually takes you know, anywhere from six to seven weeks for the album to come in. So that way I'm sort of setting the expectation here knowing that I'll be able to exceed it. But right. that also kind of gives a bit of uh, a bit of playroom where it's like if things go bad or you get hurt or you get really sick or whatever and you actually can't meet your typical deadlines, you're not disappointing the client when you do that. So I think that's a really, that's a great lesson, right? It's like if you know that's what you can do, then just tell your clients a little bit more than that and leave that buffer space. So either you exceed expectations or worst case scenario, you're still at least meeting them. Yeah, well, absolutely. What you just said, Brian, I think that we do, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned, all right, so you tell your clients six weeks for their book, and four weeks comes along, album company calls you and says, oh, Brian, we had a problem, and so we're going to have to reprint. It's going to be another four weeks, and you're like, uh oh, now mm-hmm. it's going to be eight weeks. My client's going to be pissed. Right. But if we get in front of that, so it really just comes back down to communication. You know, maybe you write that handwritten note, like Brian said, and, and said, hey, Lisa, just got word from your album company that, you know, there was a problem. We're going to have to reprint. You know, it's going to take a couple extra weeks longer. I'm really sorry. Here's that $5. Here's a $5 gift card. Mm. I hope you understand. People just want to be communicated to you, and you don't even yeah. have to pander to them and give, totally, them, yeah. give them the gift card. Totally. But even if she just received a note, that said, hey, I'm sorry, that's happened. You don't even have to call them if you're afraid. They're going to yell at you. Send that little note and just say, really sorry. You yeah. know, but you're letting them know what's going on. Because I think if we've all put ourselves in that same position, um, you know, like take, like you order something on Amazon. Well, now it tells you like when it's going to come. But you sort right. of and okay, it's going to be here Thursday. It didn't. Sh- if it doesn't show up on Thursday when Amazon said it's going to be there, you're like, where the hell is it? <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's right. kind of that same mentality. Well, and it's it's being proactive, right? Like I've I've always held the mentality that if a client has to call me and say where is something, then I've done my job. Or I haven't done my job. Sorry, not that I've done my job. I haven't done my job, right? It's like we want to be proactive and say, hey, just wanted to touch base. You know, this is going to be a little bit delayed. Here's what's happening, or set the expectation so it's longer. So again, when you call two weeks before you told them they're pleasantly surprised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think communication is such a key in, in yeah. you know, in everything. We've talked about expect, you know, setting expectations yep. and communication before in, in yep. previous episodes, but I mean it's all it's all part of that client experience and the customer kind of yeah, customer. Yeah, I, I think it's foundational to the customer experience because, you know, people will come in, our clients will come in 
with their worldview. You know, they'll come in with their own biases, their own set of expectations. You know, their friend got married last year and they got a book in this much time, or they did family portraits last year and here's what they got from that. And so they kind of bring that baggage with them. And unless we address it and communicate with them and set their expectations for what the experience will be like when they're dealing with us, we leave them to make assumptions. And then if we don't meet those assumptions, which sometimes we don't even know what those assumptions are, then now we look bad whether we can control it or not. So I think setting expectations is a huge part of being able to deliver great customer service and a great customer experience. Yeah. An interesting kind of observation that I've had over the years is when I look back at like when customers leave us reviews or clients leave us reviews, um, I would say out of like 10 reviews, nine out of those 10 has ab- the review has absolutely nothing to do with the photos. Mm. Like it's, yeah. it's almost always about totally. the, the experience that they had with us, mm. you know, that they had fun with us, that the, that the wedding party and their family enjoyed being with us. We, they, you know, we didn't make them feel stressed on their day. We, we went kind of above and beyond. So I was going to ask you guys kind of on the wedding day itself, are, are there specific things that you guys do on a, on a wedding day that um, help create that customer experience? I can give you what we, you know, some of the things that we do, like yeah. we'll bring little things like we'll bring snacks and water. And yeah, we bring extra awesome. snacks and water yeah. because we know inevitably they're going to, for- sometimes they're, even though we remind them during the pre-wedding consult, they're going to forget that stuff. So we bring snacks and water or we'll bring bug spray or, you know, these kinds of things that they'll probably forget. And wow, you know, just, just that, having like some cheesies and a bottle of water for the bride <laughs> when she's hangry can make a world <laughs> of difference. And they will remember that over anything else that happened on the day most of the time. Right, like that was right. literally one of the reviews that we got was Bruce and Sarah brought us snacks on the wedding day. And that was one of the reasons they really had a great experience. How about you guys? Is there things on the wedding day that you guys do specifics that? Yeah, I, I know for me, you know, one of the things that, um, that is super important is just keeping that, um, the communication and the relationships like, again, exceeding expectations. I know that that is, we keep coming up and I don't have a specific example with that, but just constantly being likable and relatable and laughing, calling people by their name. I mean, that's a huge thing that if you mm-hmm. can just memorize everyone's names and then use their names throughout the day, mm-hmm. they're going to feel like, you know, that, that you really care. And I think if you're not having the bridesmaids and the groomsmen come up to you at the end of the wedding day, and saying, oh my gosh, like you did such a great job or you're such a great photographer. You know, we have that all the time. And I often then say, yeah, but how can you say that? You haven't even seen the pictures yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but obviously they're doing it just based on the experience that we delivered through the day. So, so one thing that I would, you know, really, really uh, encourage everyone listening to go out and read is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Because there's some really foundational communication and relationship principles in that book, one of them being call people by their name, um, that will really help people feel or make people feel like you care and that you genuinely do care. And those are the kinds of things that will give a great experience to the customer on the day of. Robert, how about you? Any specific things that you do? When I'm in the room with the bride getting ready, I listen to, you know, the other bridesmaids and, you know, hear what their names are and then, um, you know, one of the tricks you can do to try to remember the name is just sort of relate them. Oh, Lisa, Lisa, I have a friend, Lisa, you know, whatever. So you can kind of remember, you know, who those girls are. And even if I only remember one or two of their names when I'm doing the portrait and I've got the group and I'm like, hey, Lisa, could you slide over to the left a little bit? You know, they, you can see them look at you like, wow, how does he know my name? You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Everything. And I think overall, I mean, that's one thing I definitely try to do. 
but I mean, it just goes with my personality, but just overall, you know, I'm pleasant to work with. I just try to be pleasant and have fun with people and, um, you know, make it enjoyable, you know, suck up to the moms a little bit, you know, tell them they look pretty, um, you know, oh, mom, you look great, you have a great smile, you know, just like little compliments. It doesn't have to be fake and over the top. It's just like little things that you just sort of do throughout the day. But I think overall, just being pleasant. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's one stereotype that wedding photographers get uh, is just like the kind of rude, bossy, pushy, you know, things that you hear over the years. So uh, you just try not, you know, to be that person. And, and again, that all goes back to, you know, having a stress-free wedding day, which we've done shows on before, is just being prepared and, and giving yourself time to make sure that it all happens and educating your brides ahead of time on how not to be late and all those things like basically take control. We don't need to go into that because we've done it, but that all works towards, you know, letting you be calm and happy and successful on the wedding day. Excellent. Very good advice. I think those are all some good, uh, all good tips and advice for some good, you know, creating a good client experience for your clients. So I think we'll, uh, let's jump ahead and you guys want to take a listener question. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I think this listener may be writing a question directly to Robert. So this is the <laughs> this is the Robert helpline. So we've got a question from Todd White. Um, so you'll be happy to hear this, Robert. Todd has started his switch to the Sony system. He's got the A7R2, and he's using a Metabones adapter for Canon glass. He's asking for any tips on faster or more consistent autofocus and also better focusing for receptions that are darker. And this may be, you know, Ryan, you, you and I can maybe lend some advice for just focusing in, in mm. but anything about the, the focusing, the Metabones and all that good stuff? Well, I mean, although the Metabones is a good product and, and uh, you know, you can use your Canon glass, which I know is kind of the biggest obstacle for people to, move over to the Sony system, you know, nothing's going to work better than native glass on the, on the camera that it's made for. Um, so there will be, you know, glitches, I guess, if you will, um, you know, using that adapter, but it does allow you. As far as focusing in the dark, or uh, the A7R is a great camera, which has super high, a high ISO. So, you know, you don't be afraid to take that ISO up to 10,000 if you need to and lighten up the room a little bit. And uh, I use uh, focus peakings a lot in mine in a manual setting, so you don't always get to shoot manual in the dark, but sometimes maybe when you're shooting toasts or people talking or um, focus peaking in Sony, is uh, it basically highlights the area where the focus is so you can actually see it. So if it's harder to actually physically see the focus, you can see the focus peaking. Uh, so that's a great option to use in your Sony camera for that. Cool. How about, uh, Brian, you got any tips for just the focusing in the low light situations, whether they're shooting Sony or you know, another brand of camera? Yeah, what, what I would say is um, you have to understand and look into like how the focusing system works for your camera, right? Like it depends if they're using uh, a contrast detect autofocus, if it's a phase detect autofocus, depending on all that kind of thing. You know, there's certain things that you can do to increase your chances of it hitting a you know nice focus. Um, you know, I know with phase detect, if you can if you can move your focus uh, focus box, that's probably really focus area. Very technical. Yeah, very technical. <laughs> 
That little red box that moves around inside yeah, the camera. Box thing. If you can move it to focus on an edge of something, so instead of focusing on someone's forehead, you know, move the box so it hits their eye, where there's edges and there's lines and there's contrast, you're going to have a better chance at focusing on that properly. So little things like that obviously are going to help um, in being able to, to hit that. But again, that just comes down to practice, yep. uh, I think, with all that kind of thing. Yep. And I know if, uh, you know, like I shoot Canon, uh, they only have, you know, some of the focus points are what they call cross focus points where they can focus sort of yeah. both vertically and horizontally. Mm -hmm. And some of them aren't uh, full cross points. So where possible, try to use the cross points um, in your focusing as well. You'll get probably a little, little more, a uh, better chance of, of getting good focus. But hopefully all those things help Todd. So of course, if you have a question that you'd like us to answer on the show, just head on over to thisweekinphoto.com and click on the contact us button to send us a message. Um, you can also submit your questions by emailing us at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com uh, or send a tweet using the hashtag twipwed um, and we'll look for those questions or even in our, our uh, Facebook group too. You can throw up a question in there and we'll look for questions there. All right, so that brings us to our next segment, which is our Picks of the Week segment. And each episode, we will share a photography-related item that we think would benefit wedding photographers. Our picks can be anything, as long as they are somehow related to photography or the business of photography. So, Brian, what have you got for us? And we all chuckled beforehand, because Brian shared his <laughs> pick with us beforehand. We all joked, because we said, is it a pen? And, well, well <laughs> it's a stretch to say that it's related to the business of photography or to photography, but I'm going to make the stretch anyways, because because that's what I do. You are related to the business of photography. Wait, what's that, sorry? I said you are related to the business of photography. Yeah, see, this is true, yeah. So, okay, um, yeah, I like my nerdy, like, writing utensils and stuff. I think I picked the, um, the Kuru Toga pencil on a previous episode. Yes. Um, yeah, so I, I like these things. But the pen that I'm going to uh, talk about today, my pick of the week is a digital pen. So it's a pen that, yeah, it's a pen that is still a regular pen that you write on paper with, but it digitizes it as you write on the paper, um, which is super cool for me. So the reason that I love this and the reason that I got it is because um, I write everything. Like I journal everything, every marketing idea, every blog post I write, everything I'm writing as we're talking here. I write everything. I always have notes. The problem is that over the past couple of years in doing, you know, everything with Sprout and education and all that, I've like amassed like 15 full notebooks now that I've written in. Right. So if I'm looking back to reference something or if I am thinking, oh, I had this one thing or whatever, like I can never find it because I never know what notebook to find it in. And I never know how to actually find the page, even if I can find the notebook. So that's always been a challenge for me. Um, so what I do with this is I actually write in this notebook. So the, the pen itself is the Neo Smart Pen. Um, so it comes, you have to write on special paper, but it has a regular, you know, pen in it. And so you write on the notebook, but as you're writing, it captures it digitally on the iPad app, at which point you can then manipulate it, you can tag it, you can share it, you can do whatever you want. So it makes archiving and categorizing and tagging and then finding things later so much easier. I can just go and search for any word and it'll actually have transcribed my handwriting and then search for that word that I'm searching for. So I can go back and find anything uh, after doing that. So it's cool. a huge help for sort of archiving, journaling and keeping everything organized better, which I'm obviously a huge proponent of because wasting time looking for things in a notebook is not the best use of my time. 
Yeah, nice. So does it does it require some training beforehand with no. like do you have to teach no. it your handwriting or it just no. picks it it's, up? It's great. Like it's got a great OCR um, sort of um, algorithm built in. So I haven't done anything. I just pick up the pen, start writing, and it does it all properly. Nice. And yeah. so they're, and, but you have to write in their notebooks, right? It's yeah, a special yeah. So, paper. I, mean, I mean, in order to do it, it, the paper has like special encoding on it. So it knows right. where you are and all that kind of thing. And that's how it does the digitizing. Um, cool. So that's really the only way that you can do it. So what's one looking at for one of those pens and a notebook? Um, yeah. So for the whole kit and caboodle, you're like 180 bucks okay. um, roughly, which, you know, it's, it's, people might be more familiar with LiveScribe, um, who's been around for a long time that makes mm-hmm. similar pens. And I had the LiveScribe, but it, it was like huge and it felt like a, like a highlighter in my hand. It was just massive. So I just didn't enjoy writing with it. And if I don't enjoy writing with it, I'm not going to write with it. So um, the NeoSmart pen is more like the size of a regular ballpoint pen. Nice. So that's why I really love that one. Awesome. Yeah, I was looking at the Jot script, I think, for because it integrates yep. Evernote. Yep. I like to use Evernote. Yeah, so, so, so the Neo Smart Pen does too. So I actually have it turned on for AutoSync. So every time I write in a notebook, it's already in my Evernote account by the time I get over Ooh, there. Damn it, you're going to cost me some money today, uh-huh. I think. Wow. <laughs> I like that pick. There you go. All right. Good pick. Mr. Evans, what have you got for a pick this week? Now, Sony didn't put it on camera this week, so you can't make a Sony camera. My pick of the week, I think, also comes with a pen. Um, but I, I kind of told you guys this story before, but uh, my pick of the week is the new iPad Pro. Um, I basically got one on a whim. Long story, I had an old credit card, had a bunch of points, was getting rid of it, United card, and wasn't going to buy tickets on United. So I used the points to get the iPad Pro because um, it was a want, not a need. So um, I got it. I got the pen with it. And it's really pretty cool. I, I really like it. Um, I've used it a little bit. I'm sort of just scratching the surface, but I've used it a little bit. Um, it's fun to actually edit photos on it, whether you're using Lightroom Mobile or Snapseed or one of your apps. Um, I want to see you know, more how I can utilize this tool in my business, maybe even at weddings. Um, you know, with the Sony's, of course, I can, I can Wi-Fi images right to my phone. So, of course, now I can Wi-Fi them right to the iPad. So it might be kind of fun to do that with seven or eight different images, have an assistant, you know, uh, you know, maybe you get to walk lightly on how you do that, but, you know, showing people. But to look at an image on the phone as opposed to looking at the iPad Pro, which is like a 15-inch screen or however big it is, is a heck of a lot different. Um, so it's really impressive that way, but I'm enjoying it, you know, um, just certain things like I've, but I don't have like any, uh, social on it. Uh, I sort of like no Facebook, no Instagram, no whatever. I'll keep that on my phone and, and you know, so that I'm not getting caught up in that and the iPad pro sort of has a different, uh, usage. Yep. Very nice. Yeah. I've seen them at the Apple store. I've been, I've been tempted, but I haven't pulled the trigger on one yet, but who knows? We'll, we'll see. I'm yeah. I mean, they're not the cheapest thing, but as an alternative to, you know, they come with a real nice keyboard, which I don't have yet. Um, but I mean, for, well, you, the iPad Pro is about a thousand dollars, I think. And then the keyboard's another two, 300 and the pen's another hundred for $1,500. You kind of have a, you know, new styled laptop, so to speak. Yeah. Very good. All right. So that's the iPad Pro. Well, I've got two picks this week. So my first pick, um, I think I may have picked this before, but I can't remember. But I think it's always a good one. Um, If you haven't read uh, Purple Cow by Seth Godin. Uh, Have you guys both read that book? Yeah, it's a great book. 
So it's a really good book. It kind of helps, uh, it goes through kind of how to transform your business by being remarkable. Um, so you're kind of looking, uh, you know, for a way to stand out. Um, you know, it's a really good, uh, you know, a good book. It's not necessarily specifically about customer service, but I think it's a good, uh, it's related, I think. So. Yep. And then my second pick, which I think we've picked on the show before, but it reminded me um, when Robert was saying he hates writing, um, is there's a company out there called Mail Lift. Hmm. And they will actually do, um, it's a handwritten uh, letter service for professionals. So you can basically um, get them to do all your writing for you. So if you don't like, um, you know, or if your handwriting is really bad or if you just forget to do it, um, you can get these guys and they'll actually do handwritten letters for you. So you can, I think you just, you know, email them what you want to say and then they'll send it out as a handwritten letter um, from you. It's all personalized. Very cool. Comes- yeah, and I think it comes from, like, it'll come from your local post office where you live and all the rest of that. So, it's not really, they don't really know that it's not coming from you. So, and there we go. The noise has begun in my house. So, that's probably, yes, construction has begun at my house. We're doing some kitchen renos. And so, that's probably a great time to wrap the show up. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's going to bring us to a close of another episode of Twip Weddings. Uh, if you're listening on our website, uh, please subscribe to the show using the box on the right. Uh, you can also sign up for our email list to be notified of new episodes and get exclusive subscriber bonuses. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or comments about the show, you can reach us directly by using our contact form. Just click on the Contact Us menu item at the top of the page. So before we close out, what's everybody up to and where can our audience go to keep up with you, Mr. Capricci? Uh, just getting ready for wedding season and powering through over here with everything at Sprout Studio and SproutingPhotographer.com, education, all those kinds of fun things. Um, for anyone listening, SproutingPhotographer.com is where we live. It's where I write all about the business of photography and I have a podcast also all about the business of photography. So SproutingPhotographer.com and if you want to see any of my actual photography, because I do take pictures uh, for a living, <laughs> uh, BCAPphoto.com is my actual photography website where all my clients will go. Excellent. Very good. Mr. Evans, how about you? Where can we find you online? You can find me by searching my name on Google. <laughs> Just search Robert Evans on Google and you, you, you up you'll come. Like you know, there is a producer that's a little more popular than I am. I think he's number one and I'm number two or three. But uh, my website is at Robert Evans or robertevans.com. Instagram and Twitter are at Robert Evans. Facebook is Robert Evans Studios. Um, but there's always that famous box, Google, where you can find lots about me if you want. Excellent. Well, we will uh, put all the links to that in the show notes. And if you are looking for me, um, you'll find me over at uh, my website, which is momentsindigital.com, or I'm at Bruce Clark uh, with an E at the end on most of the social networks. And I'm on Snapchat as at Bruce Clark 2 because there was already a Bruce Clark. So if you want to follow me on Snapchat, I've been Snapchatting our kitchen renos. So, but probably by the time this airs, hopefully those kitchen renos will all be done and it will be <laughs> out of the dust zone. We'll see how it goes. And that brings us to the end of another show. So be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com. And thanks again for listening to Trip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. Mm-hmm.